Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of They Call Me Coach. This is your host, Luke Clark. I am the girls basketball coach at Bing High School. I am starting this podcast with the hopes of getting to know the, the story of coaches around the state of Oklahoma, specifically basketball coaches. I, um, I've been a coach now for seven years. I'm going into my seventh season as a, as a coach, my sixth as a head coach. And my third season at Bing, um, and I, I want to put a different take on the the podcast scene in high school sports. As far as Oklahoma goes, there's a lot of good shows out there um, in Oklahoma right now with with coaches that host podcasts. But my hope for this podcast is that you get to know the coach as a person, and so it'll be far less about X's and O's. It won't be very much about um, you know, the way a coach builds a team, but it's be more of what they've done, what basketball is to them. Um, and we'll get some other coaches on here that maybe don't coach basketball or aren't in coaching anymore. But as far as, um, as far as this podcast goes, my hope is that you'll get to know this person, um, you know, throughout their journey of life. And so, uh, without further ado, I'm going to introduce our, our first guest of the podcast and, um, it just so happens to be uh, my very best friend. His name is Alec Bryan. He's the cross-country coach of boys and girls at Lexington High School, which is where we're uh, alumni from. Um, and so uh, I want to I welcome you, Coach Bryan. Thank you so much for, for being on the podcast. Man, thanks for having me on here. Excited to be here. Man, like I, like I just talked about in our intro, um, I kind of want to give a chronological order of – you know, I know you coach cross country now and, and, and you're, you're really doing a great job at that, but, um, I, I've grown to know you through basketball. And so I kind of wanted to know your basketball story. And so, uh, my first question, um, for you is, is what's your first basketball memory? My very first basketball memory, uh, man, you know me, I'm not, I'm not great at pinpointing exact things but I, I know that kind of my my love for basketball started in the front yard like I'll, I'll never forget uh being out there by myself man I'd be 20 degrees or 120 degrees and I'd be out there playing and I think probably my maybe one memory I could kind of pinpoint not to a day or nothing but kind of the idea is I used to always sit there at the free throw line you know what I had marked as a free throw line as a I don't know probably a little six-year-old out there and I'd you know how it was when you were little. I'd be like, all right, man, I'm on the Lakers. Uh, there's three seconds left. Uh, we're down one. I got to hit both these free throws uh, for, for us to hit the, to, to win the game or whatever, you know. And, uh, you know, maybe I'd make the first one. Now the, the game's tied. and I'd shoot the second one, miss it, and I'd blow a whistle in my mind. And, you know, lane violation on the other team, another free throw. And <laughs> I might do that six or seven times till I finally made the game winner. Uh, you know, as a coach for all these years, I've never seen six lane violations in a row, but it <laughs> happened all the time in Lexington when I was growing up, man. <laughs> yeah, of course. I, I was just going to ask you if you, if you ever imagine yourself, you're playing, you know, five on five, but you're just playing one on zero. Uh, I remember probably kind of like you, my first memory of, of basketball is, uh, watching the watching March Madness and and I had an older brother who's six years older than me and so you know he the the TV was always on and and basketball was normally the biggest thing especially in the winter time and so um there was like a one versus 16 matchup and it was like the most random team name you could ever think of and they had the ugliest brown uniforms they were there was just nothing good they, I don't know how they even got into the tournament they must have won their you know their conference tournament but um, so what I did is I, I took like the best player off of Duke and automatically trade, you know, he transferred like the transfer portal before the transfer portal even happened. <laughs> and I'm out there with Chris Duhon playing for Coppin state, you know, and, <laughs> right. and, and the best Duke player and the best player from Kentucky, you know? And, and so, uh, yeah, I remember that playing playing five on five and automatically the 16 seed goes and, and wins the, the national championship in my mind. Cause that's the way I imagined it. Um, oh, yeah, man. I, I remember, uh, man, I was Kobe Bryant. I was, I was, uh, when the Pelicans were in town, Kobe played for the Pelicans in my front yard, man. 
he was carrying Birdman and all them guys. He he just magically <laughs> got traded. Yeah, traded. <laughs> yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about your basketball career. I mean, people that know us are going to know that we are teammates and and you were far superior to me as a player. But just kind of take me through as if as if I don't know. Um, you know, for somebody listening that that maybe doesn't know your basketball history as a player, just kind of what kind of player were you? Man, so, you know, the grade that we were in, we had like five dudes that were six foot in seventh grade um, and none of us could dribble. And so I had to be a point guard in, in junior high, which was not a role that was suited for me. Um, but, you know, I kind of liken it to, you know, you watch some summer league stuff now um, and you can think about like Chet Holmgren, how they put the ball in his hands. And it's not necessarily something he might do in the regular season, but it's a great time for him to get some experience with it. And that's the way I kind of view it. Like I was never going to be a point guard, but it, it also helped me become a better player, you know, when I got to high school. Um, and so, you know, our junior high teams weren't great, but but we worked hard. We had a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, freshman year, uh, we didn't suit. I didn't get to suit up, but we got to practice with the high school. And so, you know, that was a great year for me. We, we got to practice junior high and high school. Um, and I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong. Did we play JV as freshmen? Did we we did. Yeah, yeah, we, we screwed up for JV. Um, and then sophomore year, still not just a whole lot for me. But junior year, we uh, – I can't remember exactly how it worked out, but we ended up – we had like a starter that was out. Um, and then uh, maybe the sixth man was out too or whatever. And and I wasn't the seventh man, but it just kind of worked out that, that they needed the body type that was me and – I ended up starting my first game in the Conowall tournament against Holdenville. And oddly enough, my first game, it was all, it all went downhill after that. I scored my career high in my first game. I think I had 21 and 10 or something like that in my first game. And it kind of locked me in. And, you know, and this is what I, I preach to my players now. You know, I coach junior high basketball now. And this is what I preach to, you know, kind of everybody. But more of the role players is like, man, what my goal was, was to give my head coach no reason to ever take me off. Like, don't ever take me off. I never did anything to, for him to be like, oh, my goodness, you got to get him off the floor. You know, I, I never felt like I was fantastic at anything. I, you know, I wasn't a fantastic shooter or dribbler or defender or rebounder, but I was good enough at everything um, to get by. And then, you know, I knew the whole playbook, um, every position. Um, and, and I think that's just that's what made me who I was. Um, but, and that still goes with me today. Um I'm probably not a great star player coach, you know, because I, I'm not a huge fan of somebody shooting all 30 shots. And, and there's times that that's what needs to happen. That's just not the way that, you know, my basketball is ingrained in me. My basketball is ingrained that, that we share the basketball and we get the best open shot we can get. Um, and so that's probably all a part of it there. Um, you know, I, I played, I wouldn't say high post cause we didn't necessarily run that kind of offense, but that's the kind of player I was, I felt like, you know, I was, Six foot one, um, not necessarily back to basket guy because we had that, but I also wasn't wasn't a shooter. I, I would find myself more of a facilitator. Um, you know, as or as uh, I'm sure then the stats weren't nearly as as accurate as they are now. But you know, I think Max Brex had me at four and a half assist. You know, um, as a forward that didn't touch the whole ball a whole lot, and so I was just I was the guy that made the right play, made the right pass. You know. Um, communicated and, and and again just to wrap back up there to the beginning is my goal was just don't do anything that makes coach want to take you off the floor and and uh it, it worked for me so yeah uh you know that I think that especially now as a coach getting to look back you have those players that um I was fortunate enough my first year at being where I had a player that was probably better at calling inbounds plays than I was mm. and so we really could focus on the execution more than getting the play out. And so I, that was just you know, a pressure that was, that I just have, didn't have to deal with. And then this, this last year, we just, we didn't have a player like that. We probably had some players with some more skill that were maybe throwing the ball in or, or players that we were trying to get the ball into with a, you know, baseline out of bounds play. But um, as far as having a, having kind of a coach mindset on the floor, we didn't really right. have. Right. And so you saying that, I mean, I think, what you're describing, you know, the way you played being a, being a post player that was more of a facilitator. I mean, that seems like it would fit better into uh, today's form of basketball. I mean, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So 
would you say that that your mind may may have been your biggest strength as a player? Oh yeah, no, I I think so. Um, yeah, I mean, just kind of being a step ahead um, because physically, I mean, I was I would say I was maybe an above average athlete for our school, but you know, in all encompassing three A, it wasn't anything special. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was. That's probably what's maybe I don't I don't want to say set me apart because it makes it sound like I was the best player on the floor and I wasn't, but that is what I think got me to play is having enough athleticism to hold up and enough strength and size to hold up, but then having the mindset and and just I guess maybe intelligence and IQ uh, to be on the floor and and not screw stuff up. And I knew my role really well. I knew I wasn't the scorer. I knew I wasn't the ball handler, um, and I was okay with my role and. and so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that would be an accurate description, yeah. Yeah, so then you, you graduated high school. Yep. Uh, you played college ball? I did not play college ball. You know, it, it crossed my mind, not that I ever had any offers, but, you know, I was probably good enough. I, I went and toured MacU and, and met with their coach, and I probably could have walked on somewhere like that and been a JV player if I wanted. Um, and in hindsight, maybe I, I might have wanted to, but – for me, it just, I knew I wasn't good enough to make money off of it, you know? And so I was like, I don't want to waste my school time doing all this for something that's never going to make me any money. Um, so no, I did not go play ball. So you didn't play college basketball. So how did you stay, how did you stay kind of in the mindset of, of keeping basketball in the forefront of your mind, knowing that you wanted to be, you know, uh, you obviously went into teaching and coaching. So how did you kind of keep uh, basketball relevant in your life when you're in college? Right. So, I mean, a, a couple of things. Number one, the biggest thing is you and I roomed together at East Central in the soggy dorms. So that helped. I mean, living with my best friend and then we both wanted to be basketball players. And so, you know, I mean, and we lived in a one bedroom dorm, you know, and so we were all over each other in terms of being there to be able to talk about basketball whenever we wanted, you know, playing 2K till till uh, class in the morning started and skip some class, play some more. But then, uh, you know, we played a little, I guess maybe not intramurals, but we'd always go up and play there. Um, and so, I mean, really, I would I would focus a lot of that just being happening to be with people um, like you um, and a couple other friends that we had that were big basketball players. Uh, and because there's just not a whole lot to do there in Ada at the time, you know, and uh, and so basketball just stayed with us there. So, yep. So you graduate college. Remind me again. Uh, what major you were in college? Just an education major, um, and and then I got certified to teach math. I'm a high school math teacher now. Okay, so you uh, you graduate college. Where's your first job? Yeah, so like I said, I went to East Central in Ada, um, and I remember I was in, I think I was in Lawton with our our friend uh, Carter Grigg. Him and I were playing golf, and I got a phone call from a math teacher at East Central that a professor I'd had and she asked me if I was interested in teaching this year because I had kind of contemplated kind of taking the year off getting my master's degree and then I was going to get married the next year and then start teaching um, and that was my plan and then she called and said hey Ada High School needs a teacher um, just for two hours are you interested and I said yeah that'd be interesting she said it's only two hours um, that's all they need there's no coaching or anything I said yeah I'd probably be interested um, and then get a call back from her and said, actually, that kind of got filled. Um, but they do need a GA if you're interested in being a GA for like $500 a month. I was like, yeah, that might be cool. And then I got another call back that said, hey, actually, they do need two hours and the GA if you want to do both of them. I said, yeah, that'd be cool. And then I got another call back, said, hey, actually, now they need a full-time teacher. Um, so you could be a full-time teacher and coach freshman basketball, girls basketball. So in a span of two weeks, I went from nothing to a GA to a full-time teacher in about two weeks. So my first job was there at Ada High School. So you coach under Coach Jennings. What what would you say uh, you learned in that in that first year? You know, you're green coming right out of college. Um, you're working for a veteran coach who's been very successful. Uh, what are some things that you think uh, you may have picked up along the way there? The first thing I learned is I didn't know very much. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> you know, being a probably a cocky 22 year old thought I knew a lot. Um, and it, maybe I knew a lot about how to play basketball and how it worked, but I knew nothing of a program. Um, and, and I would argue that that was coach Jennings biggest strength is just, she just knows how to connect to kids and how to run a program that makes kids want to be involved with it. Uh, that was probably the biggest thing. You know, I still run some plays that we ran then, but the biggest thing I took from her 
was just how important it was to connect with your players on a level that wasn't all about basketball. You know, uh, she had just the rare ability, and, th and this, is a, this is a trait of successful coaches, but being able to just ride your hard, your best players, ride them really hard, being really tough on them, um, and them always knowing that it was from a from a position of love and encouragement and wanting to make things better, um, that she could, um, you know, <laughs> you could ask some of her best players from those years, Kinsey and, and Peyton and Annalee, things that probably Coach Jennings whispered in their ears that probably weren't allowed to anybody else to hear, but uh, that she knew, those kids knew, those girls knew that everything she was saying was constructive. It was never demeaning. And so she just had a way um, – to to relate to players but also the extremely rare way to push your best players to never be complacent and to to lead the program forward and so i mean i think that would be you know the one thing i really took from coach jings for sure that i that i still use to this day is that every decision she made was based around the program she had a sign on the back of her office door that said program team player coach so every decision she made was based upon first and foremost, what's best for our program, you know, not just this year, not just today, but what's best for Ada girls basketball. And then second, the decision would be what's best for our team. What's best for right now, then would be what was best for the player. And lastly, she would consider herself, you know, what's best for me. And that would always be the last thing she would worry about is what was best for her. Um, and so again, just so much program, 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 um, talking about long-term development, making great citizens, great, uh, she's a girls basketball coach, so making great mothers and sisters um, and so on. Were you guys any good? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, I wasn't any good. I just kept stats, man. Uh, I just kept stats on the iPad. But yeah, we had a, it was, it was a fantastic run. Um, we made it to the semifinals and lost to Hera, the eventual state champions. I got to coach on uh, at the big house, you know, two days in a row, uh, my first year coach, I remember telling my, at the time, uh, fiance, but, uh, that, you know, this will probably be the last time I ever coach here. And, and that's kind of, as a coach, you know, that, you know, you got to soak it in because you can be as good as you can be. I and mean, it means nothing because when it, when late February gets here, March gets here, you know, and you're zero and zero. Uh, it's just real, it's really hard to get there. But yeah, we had a great year. I think we were, we were top five all year. I think we ended the year at rank number four, had 22 some odd wins. Um, and one thing Coach Jennings does, I don't remember exactly our record. Let's say we played 30 regular season games, 25 of them were against teams in the state tournament. I mean, every night we're just playing good, good teams, you know, and all of our losses came to, I think all but one of our losses came to state champions. I think Hare beat us three times. I mean, it was just a year where it was just, Every single night, it's like playing the SEC in football. Like every single night, you got to show up. So it was a tough year in terms of it was just a grind all the time. But yeah, she was, the girls were really good uh, and they were very successful that year for sure. So you got, so you mentioned you played Hera three times. Uh -huh. You play him the first time, you get beat. Uh, what changes, you know, does a coach make? What changes do, did she make, you know, as a successful coach? Um, you know, you said you mentioned you made it to the state semifinals. What do you make any changes? Uh, is it better? I mean, what you what did you guys? Yeah, do? I mean, you know, when you lose to a team that we felt really strongly that us and Hera were the best two teams in the state, and it, it and uh, and I felt like that was a common thought. A lot of people thought when we played in the semis that that was the championship game, and so when you're playing a team that you know is that good, you know. Um, that you know that you guys are, are right there together. You can't make any drastic changes. Coach Jennings was big on, like, we're going to be us. We're not going to change based on other people. We're going to do what we do, and we're going to make people change for us. And so, you know, every game, I believe, was within seven points or so. And so it wasn't a feeling of, like, okay, we've got to massively change everything that we're doing, you know. Um, I, I remember at halftime in the semi-game, uh, we had been – they had a super fast point guard, and they ran a lot of high 1-5 pick and rolls at the top of the key. And and she would start at half court and just get a head full of steam coming off that, that pick and roll. Um, and we couldn't stay in front of her. We had an all-state point guard, fantastic defender in Kenzie Dean. Um, but we tried to pick her up at half court, and she was just too fast for us. And so we made the adjustment of we're not going to pick her up to the three-point line. That way um, – 
we can we got a chance to stay in front of her a little bit better. And so just, I mean, you know, little things like that. Um, but, I mean, all three of those games, and, and Hera would probably tell you the same thing, is, you know, we're two or three just little changes here or there and, and them going the other way. And so, and like I said, I wasn't outrageously involved in decisions at the time. And so I'm sure Coach Jennings made decisions that I wasn't aware of. I was uh, punching uh, stats into an iPad the whole game. And so, yeah, I mean, uh, we didn't change matchups or anything like that. We continued to run our one three one, you know, when she saw fit. And so, you know, when you're playing somebody that you know is good enough to beat you, um, maybe you don't make massive changes. And, and Hera also, they weren't just a, a one-horse, you know, type of team. They had a great post player, a great shooter, a great point guard, um, all three of which I went and put, think went and played at the next level. And so it's not like you could be like, all right, now we, we could we got to focus everything on this kid. They got they had other kids that could beat you. And so it was just it was great where there was always 10 players on the floor that knew how to play basketball. And it was just kind of pure basketball. You know, it wasn't, you know, just give it to this kid because they're a 2000 point score and, and they try to lead us or anything. It was just five on five, good basketball. So then you, uh, you finished the season, you guys losing the semifinals. What next? Yeah. So I, uh, I get married, um, in June that summer. My wife is going to school at Langston University in the northern part of the state. And so I send out emails to everybody with an hour of there. And uh, I end up getting a job at Perry. My uh, Our old basketball coach, Coach York, used to – grew up there. And so he kind of hooked me up, and I got hired there. Um, and so I come in there teaching math and helping out with the high school team. Um, I spent two years there. We we had a great first year. We were kind of a younger team led by some sophomores. We had great veteran leadership, but our probably our, our best player for sure was a sophomore. Uh, we had a good year. We made it to the regional consolation finals that year. Um, and then we come back the next year and make it to the area finals, lose to Millwood um, on day two of area. And then day three, we come back and play Christian Heritage, who ended up winning it all, and they beat us there. So we had a great year. I mean, this I would argue the best team. Not that I'm super familiar with Perry's basketball history as a wrestling school, but I mean, at the time, that was the best team to ever come through town. So, and I was super blessed those first three years. Obviously, you know, I play in the state, coaching the state tournament, coaching the regional consolation, coaching the area finals three years in a row. Um, it was a great stretch. It was a fun three years for sure. So then uh, you mentioned you were there two years. So. Uh... That wraps up your days at Perry. Where did you head next? Yeah, so after the second year at Perry, I, you know, it was three years being an assistant coach and head coach of junior high. I felt like I was maybe ready to, to venture off into being a head coach at about, what, 24, 25 at the time. Put out a couple feelers, interviewed at a couple different places, and then I was super blessed. Um, I had a friend that was coaching at Preston High School um, that had called me and said, hey, uh, I think we're going to have a position here and I think you'd be a great fit for it. And, uh, you know, long story short, I ended up getting the boys job there at Preston. That was my first head coaching job. Um, so that's where I spent my first year. So you, uh, you get the, you get the job offer, you're a head coach, Does your wife hop on Zillow and start finding houses and, and you start looking for real estate that day. How, how oh yeah, man. Well, so it was a, a crazy kind of story in there, but, you know, I, I uh, had come down to interview. Haley had come with me. My wife had come with me. We'd come down to interview, and we were – because it was two and a half hours away from where we lived, so it wasn't easy to just hop in there. But we had uh, kind of put a list together of houses on Zillow that we wanted to go explore. And uh, we were actually in Old Mulgee at the time looking at one of the houses, and we had just walked up, and I got the phone call and got the job offer. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the second we got the offer, we were literally – we were already looking at houses – um, when I got the offer and accepted it. So, yeah, I mean, we, we were in it in a hurry for sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it went quick. There's no doubt about it. We we ended up buying a house and we moved in July, I think July 4th. Uh, I think we moved in July 4th that year. What's crazy, you know, when you, you've you lived somewhere, you know, you said you were living in Perry, then mm -hmm. job opportunity comes and you're not necessarily tied down because – you know, you, you mentioned your wife was in college at the time and, and 
uh, didn't have any kids at that time. So right. you kind of feel like you can, you can move and, and be free to kind of just look around all over the state. And while, while your parents, you know, are, are involved and, and you don't want to necessarily move far away from any of them, you kind of feel like you're, you're more open to an opportunity to kind of move away from home. And that's, that's similar to like what me and my wife did. We, we got married the, the spring semester, uh, or sorry, the, we got married the summer before, uh, we were, we were finishing our, our, uh, you know, our courses to be teachers. And so I was in field three and, and was doing a lot more observations and then student teaching the second semester. And we, you know, we think it's a great idea to get married and we have no income to our name. And, and now we're trying to be adults and while still finishing up college. And so once we, once we graduated college, we were like, we we're free to go anywhere. And so I just kind of hop on, uh, you know, the websites and looking at different job opportunities. And one that I found was nowhere that I'd even ever been before. And, uh, I go and interview. And so my wife starts looking for a position at the time. She was a family consumer sciences major, um, in, in, in the teaching field. And so, um, and she finds a job opening that's within 30 minutes of the school I'm, I'm interviewing at. And, uh, I end up not getting a job and she ends up getting a, an interview the same day I got mine and, and she gets offered on the spot. And so I'm just like, wow, you know, now I've got to find something. I've got to find a job. I've got to find a house. I'm, I'm in, uh, she ended up getting offered at Hilldale high school. And, and, uh, and so that's in Muskogee, Oklahoma. And so I'd never even been to Muskogee before I went up to interview there. And, and now we're, now looking at houses and I have no idea what a good, you know, neighborhood is versus a bad neighborhood. And we just, we start renting a house sight unseen, you know? And so, yeah. um, so you buy a house, right. You get the job. Uh, what's your wife doing at the time? Uh, the school offered her a job too. She ended up being essentially a, a teacher's aide for first grade, uh, making about a thousand dollars a month. Um, so that was, that was what she did first there. Uh, we were trying to think how those dates. So yeah, I guess, uh, maybe late summer, early fall, we, uh, we had gotten pregnant. Um, and so it was kind of a, I wouldn't say placeholder, but she knew that she wasn't going to quite be able to go after her career yet. Her, she had plans to be a physical therapist, but we were pregnant. And so she couldn't quite apply to, to physical therapy school knew when we were about to have a newborn. And so she was able to get hired on as a teacher's aide there at Preston. And uh, I mean, I know the answer to this, but what year was it that you got hired at Preston? Uh, let's see. So we graduated in 16. Uh, so 16, 17, 17, 18. So the 18, 19 school year, right? I think that sounds right. I was thinking it was the 2019, 2020 season or school. So uh, you get the job at Preston. You're, yep. uh, it's a, I mean, for anyone that doesn't know, Preston Boys Basketball is one of the most tradition rich programs in the, in the state. Um, how many state championships do they have once you get the job? Uh, I don't know how many they had, but I mean, I remember, uh, you know, looking it up and seeing they had like top five most appearances at the state tournament, maybe top five titles. I think they had, you know, that, that you got, they got more than one handful of rings, you know, I mean, their whole gym, if you've ever been in their gym, they hang banners for runner up and champs and it's just covered up with basketball, both sides, softball, baseball. I mean, great place, very tradition rich program, like you said. Yeah. And so uh, you get the year started. How do things go? Yeah. So we get there. Like I said, we signed July 4th. We actually had a, a get together with the boys July 4th <laughs> um, at a church. We had a little get together and, and spent some time together after we'd finished up our summer program. Um, and then we moved in that night. Um, I was teaching two hours of mathematics in the morning and then I was in the gym the rest of the day. I was uh, doing first and second grade, third and fourth grade. Uh, what, seventh and eighth and high school uh, basketball. Um, so at Preston, they, you know, that, that's what they do. You, you start, you start dribbling a brawl in, in first grade there. Um, and that's part of why they're so tradition rich. They start dribbling in first grade. Um, they, they play games in first grade, you know, against Twin Hills and stuff. And so, um, you know, I'd come into a program that had been to the state tournament so many times in the previous few years. Um, 
two years before they had been to the state tournament. Um, and so when I arrived, you know, I, I, I sit down with the superintendent or whatever, and he said, hey, I, I want you to know, you know, our talent is a little bit down right now um, in comparison to where we've been. And, uh, you know, and I'd seen that in the summer. I felt really strongly that we still had a good base of talent. But, but I also had met some of the previous players and knew that the talent wasn't quite on the same level. The only hiccup was is they were still playing a, a a schedule that was built for those teams that were that were top two or three in the state, um, and so we had a, a rough go of it. You know, I, uh, we don't want to we don't want a game through Christmas, um, but but the kids were working really hard. You know what I'm saying? Uh, whenever I interviewed, I, I told them I said I can't promise you anything other than I'll love your kids and I'm going to work hard, and, and I felt really true to that. Um, and so we hadn't won a game going into Christmas. Um, my best, our best two, the best two players in the school, probably, arguably, neither of them had played up until Christmas. They came out at Christmas um, and, and kind of reju rejuvenated us. We were we were playing some young kids, man. I was starting three freshmen on on a regular basis. Uh, and, but we're just again kind of like when I was at Ada. It's just every night we're playing state tournament after state tournament after state tournament, and it gets to a point where. As a 16-year-old, sometimes it's hard to see, like, you know, we're 0-10 or whatever, but nine of them again been against teams in the state tournament last year. And so, like, your record says 0-10, but you're not quite an 0-10 team. You just are playing crazy good teams. And I think uh, my staff and I and, and our, our senior leaders had done a great job of, of making sure everybody was still on the same page of, like, we're still here working, like, we're not done. Um, we're, we're not giving up on the season. And so we come back after Christmas uh, – and I don't know, the second week after Christmas, we play bags, uh, arguably our best game of the year. And then next morning, I, I get a phone call from the superintendent and uh, they relieved me of my coaching duties right there in the middle of the season. And so I think I finished the year 0-15. Um, and so that was that was a tough, it was tough in a couple of ways, you know, tough in the fact that everywhere I'd been was really successful. And as a, a naive 23-year-old, I thought I had a part in that. And then I show up and I'm 0 and 15 and quickly was humbled in that I, I maybe I didn't have as big of a part in that as I felt like I did. Um, so, I mean, it's tough, you know, your first job to to say it in simple words, to be fired right in the middle of it. it it's not it's not easy. It's a shot to the ego and you got to figure out, you know, how to land back on your feet. Um, and in a way, it was it ended up kind of working out well. That was covid. Uh, that was the covid year. And so, you know, this is middle of January when I'm uh, let go and then. COVID hits there at spring break. And so I didn't have to come back to work anymore. I was still working at Preston. I was still teaching there, um, you know, walking down the halls and being with my kids and stuff. So that was different. But, you know, when I had the meeting with the team that that, that I wasn't going to be coaching them anymore, you know, I had a, a room full of 16-year-olds crying, you know, teary eyes and stuff. And so, like, that moment let me know that, like, I did what I signed up to do. I told them I would work hard. I would love their kids. And I still talk to more kids from that school than I do any other school I've ever worked at um, uh, on a semi-regular basis, really. Um, and so that's how that that year ended up. I mean, you've got a great perspective, and I and I don't want to I don't want to shortcut that. But at the same time, you know, you've you've got a baby on the way. You've got a right. wife that sacrificed her dreams to mm -hmm. uh, be with you. You've bought a house. Right. And now we're in the middle of a pandemic and you don't have a job. Right. So, right. I mean, how, how do you recover from that? I mean, I, I can only imagine you're mad. Uh, sure. You're, to put it in a kind way, you're humbled. You know, you're yeah. kind of second guessing, do I know what I'm doing? Uh, is this really what, you know, what I need to be doing or do I need to be looking into another, you know, field of, uh, of work, you know, so, yeah. I mean, kind of take me through some of the emotions of that, if you don't mind. Yeah, no, I mean, everything you said is pretty spot on. You know, we'd bought a house and, you know, I remember kind of that first day there when we first moved in, we, before we moved anything in, we painted the baseboards and the trim work and all of the house together, me and my wife. And I remember sitting there, uh, inside joke between you and I, but sitting there eating chili dogs um, with Haley. And uh, just kind of looking around and talking about like, man, this is where our kids are going to grow up. Like uh, we had our, our house, like floor plan kind of made it where you could run 
from one bedroom to the next, through the bathroom, to the living room, to the kitchen. Like you could just run a full circle through the house without ever being in the hallways. And just remember talking about how we could see our kids running through here and growing up here. And then, you know, what, uh, seven months later, having it all just blow up in your face. Um, and really kind of with no warning, you know, uh, I had no idea. Oddly enough, the day that we found out that, that I was fired, we had had an ultrasound. We'd had our 20-week anatomy ultrasound. And up until that point, we had been told by every doctor, by three different doctors, that we were having a boy. We had picked out a name and announced it and everything. And then uh, we found out we were having a girl at our 20-week. Well, oddly enough, the day that, that we had our 20-week anatomy, me and my wife came back to work um, straight from the hospital after our ultrasound. And um, my wife got her car and went home. She had taken the whole day off. Um, and then I'd been called and asked to come to the superintendent's office. And so I went over there, you know, came in, sat down. It was high school principal, the superintendent, myself. I'm telling them about how, man, it's so crazy. We just, you know, we thought we were having a boy and now we're having a girl. And and then it quickly, conversation changed. Um, you know, he told me he relieved me of my coaching duties. And that was the first meeting we had ever had really kind of talking about. Uh, I was just blindsided, to put it, to put it shortly. I, I felt like I was doing what I promised them that I would do. And so that was the hardest part is, again, I felt like I was doing what I was supposed to do. You know, wins weren't coming, um, but I had kids that wanted to be in my program and worked hard for me and respected me. And so that definitely made it hard. So when that happens, yeah, you're right. I mean, I'm I, I'm calling pretty shortly after that. A week or two later, I'm, you know, calling my father-in-law who works in the natural gas industry and asking him if maybe he could get me a job because I don't know if I want to keep doing this. I mean, it's, it's definitely like a shot of like, man, you either got to like, pull your boots up and get back to work or, or find something else to do. But I didn't really have an option at the time. You know, my, I bought a house, like my bills weren't going to quit coming. I couldn't just stop working. So I had to keep showing up for the next six weeks, walking those halls, swallowing my pride because I got a family to take care of. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, I'm trying to make light of the situation because I, I, I've come to terms with everything. Um, but yeah, at the time it was, it was super hard to be a 23, 24 year old. Um, you know, my wife's pregnant. I just got fired from my first head coaching job where I moved my wife out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, she's putting her career on hold for me to come out here and chase this. And then it, and then, then I, you know, in simple terms, I screwed it all up. And so, yeah, that was, that was something I had to face. Um, but, you know, my wife was fantastic through it all. She supported me through it all, fought for me through it all. Um, and it's not something that, that I, you know, there was, there's nobody else I could have gone through it with, you know what I'm saying? And so, you know, she's shoulder and being pregnant and then having to be a, a shoulder for me to kind of cry on and lean on. And, and so, yeah, I mean, that's how we made it through just being together. You know, that's all we had ever done. We'd been together for a long time. Um, we dated for a long time and we, we were long distance for a couple of years. And so we had a really unique and kind of strong bond. And so, I mean, that was, we just had to make the decision of like, man, this is horrible, but like, we just got to keep working. You know, we're pregnant. We don't really have an option. And then boom, here comes the pandemic six weeks later. And so now I'm looking for a new job, trying to find where I figure out where we're going to live. I've got a wife, I've got a kid on the way, you know, I always tell my wife when she gets stressed out about things, I'm like, babe, you got to understand we're not the first people to ever go through, you know, X, Y, Z. Well, at that time I got, <laughs> I had to tell her we might be the first people that have ever gone through this right in the middle of a pandemic, a national or a worldwide pandemic. We got fired. We're pregnant. We're trying to move. We might be the first people that have ever had to go through what we're going through. And so it was a super unique situation. Um, but yeah, I mean, my wife and then we had, we had kind of poured into a church and some families there in town and, and they were a great support for us. And we got lucky that my hometown, Lexington, where we're from, had an opening and we'll get, we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. Yeah. 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 I have one more question. Yep. Um, if you had to do it again, what would you do different? Man, you know, it's so tough now because now I'm, I'm kind of out of high school basketball, not with a whole lot of intentions to get back in. But at the same time, I, I don't think I've ever been happier than I am right now. Um, and so, you know, like I'd like to say I, I wouldn't have taken the job, I, you know, and nobody really steered me away from it because it was such a great opportunity. Um, and like I said, I've, I've made some some lifelong relationships with people and kids from that town. I really in a way, like in a basketball way, I'd, I'd like to say I'd have done things different and I'd have played this kid or done that. 
but in terms of life, man, it, it's led me to the place that I've never been happier. Um, you know, I, it's, it's led me to realize for me personally that, that my family is the most important thing for me. And, uh, and I just don't have, I don't have a good enough ability to kind of separate work and family whenever I'm, I'm the head coach of a basketball team. Like it just pours over so much and, and it, it didn't affect my house any, I wouldn't say, but, um, when I, I stepped out of coaching, I've really realized like, man, I do love basketball. I do love the grind of it, but you know, I only get a chance to be a dad one time, you know what I'm saying? And, and so I wouldn't go back and change anything, honestly, because it's led me to a place I, that I've never been happier. I've never been more fulfilled. Um, and so, no, I wouldn't change anything going back. So you, you, you mentioned you go to Lexington. Uh, what are you doing there? Yeah, so I call the uh, AD, who was one of our old football coaches when we were in school here in junior high, and I get hired on. I'm coaching. I'm doing uh, junior high math. Uh See, I, I volunteered for the high school team that year, the high school basketball team, and then I was the uh, junior high baseball coach uh, that first year. Did you play any baseball growing up? <laughs> Man, I, you know, you and I played Little League, but no, I quit in fifth grade, I think, and then I, I came out for one day my uh, junior year. I got a jersey, and then I never showed back up. I'm sure I still got that jersey somewhere hidden in a closet somewhere, but no, I mean, I played up through fifth grade and then quit. So being a head baseball coach was definitely an adjustment. Although I, I had coached uh, junior high softball a year at Perry. And so it wasn't just like total foreign to me, but yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't something I ever kind of thought I'd be doing when I was growing up. So you're the kid that gets the, that gets the uniform first day, changes your Facebook and Instagram profile picture to you in a baseball uniform and then you never put it on again. Oh yeah, man. I was, I was that dude for sure. (laughs) You got the the flat bill on forwards or is it backwards? This forward, but I had big old uh, mouthful of sunflower seeds and pocket, my my gloves in my back pocket, man. I was ready to go for, for practice that day. But uh, Tuesday morning, I I wasn't feeling it Tuesday morning. So hung them back up. You get on Google Images and you say, "What does a baseball player look like?" And <laughs> yeah. you make yourself you make yourself look the part for the Facebook profile picture. Well, yeah, I mean, do, do, I, do I have the pant legs up or do I keep them down? You know, which which way do I go with this? Well, are you are you a, uh, let's stay there? Are you are you a pant leg down or pant leg up guy? I think I was an up. Uh, I think I was an up that day. Um, a little bit more traditional style. You got um, the stir, you got the stirrups and you got the socks. No, no, I didn't have stirrups, but I had long socks, man. But you know, I I hope my wife listens to this one day. Um, she she'll hate me for saying this, but she was a she was a one up and one down, man. She 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 was a she played outfield and one of the first times I ever watched her. I think she dove for a ball or something, and one of her pant legs got caught up, and so she played the rest of the game with a pant leg up and a pant leg down. Um, and I I still make fun of her to this day, so. Uh, I think I think you can fall wherever you want to be. You can be an up, a down, a, a left, and a right. You can do whatever you want to do. But yeah, I think I was probably an up. You can definitely tell this is not a baseball slash football <laughs> podcast because yeah. I tell you, I'm telling you, there there is uh, there's a bunch of baseball coaches that are going to tell you no. There's only one way to do it, and baseball players are only one way to do it, and it's this way or versus the other. I mean, I'm I would I've I've I mean, I say coached, but I haven't really coached softball. I've been the uh, I've been the bus driver for some softball teams, and I stand on third base like I know what I'm doing. But I'm not a not a softball coach. But I think uh, I think a lot of people would say uh, that there's a, a way to do it, and we, I just I don't know which way it is. So that's yeah, why I, you milked every bit of baseball talk out of me you could get. I gave you everything <laughs> I had right there. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, you you get finished with that first year at Lexington. Yep. You you volunteer. You you do some junior high duties. You're teaching math. What's the second year look like there? Yeah. So then my second year, uh, some shuffling around. That athletic director, he was the boys' basketball coach, ends up leaving, gets a head principal job, and so um, you know I immediately kind of throw my hat hat into uh, into the pot, and so. Ends up shuffling around the girls coach there, shifts over to be the boys coach, and then I take the girls job. And so I spend the year being the, the head girls job there, which, you know, growing up, if you'd ever asked me if I was going to be a girls basketball coach, um, I, I'd have told you no. Um, 
but it was just, it was a th- it was a move I felt like I, I wanted to make. I felt like God had kind of called me in that spot. I felt like the things that I wanted to accomplish inside of a program maybe matched up a little bit better there. Um, and so it was a program I was super excited to take over. Um, you know, and kind of, kind of the same story as, as Preston is, you know, we, we play in a conference with just some, uh, some unbelievable teams, um, you know, area tournament teams every night. And so kind of the same idea of trying to fight to make sure that, that our kids know that, you know, your record may say this, but, you know, the, the last six games you played were against teams that won 18 games plus last year or whatever. And so uh, we had a rough year, um, but we finished strong, which was my goal from the beginning. Um, I wanted to make sure that we peaked, um, you know, in, in February and hopefully in March. And uh, I don't think there was any debate that – sorry, I'm sitting in my classroom right now. But I don't think there was any debate that our three best games were the last three games of the year. Uh, our first, our, we lost our first two games in playoffs and went home, but they were both five-point games against area tournament teams. Um, you know, one game was against Davis, who had beat us by, you know, I think 30-plus two times, and, and we came in and we almost beat them there in the first game. Um, and then we lose to Preg, and I remember reading a quote from the Preg coach in the paper afterwards just talking about how it was, he was shocked. Um, it, you know, it wasn't a team that he had seen. Um, necessarily uh, on film, a team that showed up and played that day because we knew we had it in us and, uh, you know, things broke quite, really well for us those last two games. We played great basketball those last two games, uh, just kept, fell a little short. Um, and then, you know, we finished the game and I tell the girls, you know, great season, super excited for the future, can't wait for next year, and, and I wholeheartedly meant that. And then, uh, and then you know, I go home and, and spend some time with my family and my daughter is – what so my daughter's one right is that right I think she's one at the time and uh you know in the first couple of days after the game sitting in the living room or whatever with my wife and my daughter and I'm like Haley did you just hear what Gracie said or did you see what Gracie just did or you know xyz and he was like Alex she's been doing that for a few months you've just been so busy with basketball that you don't even know kind of what's going on and it just she wasn't trying to slap me in the face but it slapped me in the face of like I have to figure out what I want to do, like, because I can't be a basketball coach and not give as much as I can to it. You know, like I can't sign up to do a job and only do it halfway. Now, whether or not you think what I did was best, you know, you know, is, is up for you to debate, but I'm going to work as hard as I can work. And that's just the only way I know how to do it. And in that moment, it was just like, I want to be here with my family. Like this is the decision that I had to make for myself. And so we uh, took spring break to really take time to think about what we wanted to do. If this, if I wanted to hang it up and, and kind of be done with it, or if I wanted to try it again. And so we kind of jointly made the decision that what was best for our family was to hang it up so that I could spend some more time at home um, with my wife and my daughter and, and be there for her and not have to miss, you know, six months out of every year with her. Um, and so I resigned that first Monday after spring break. Was the administration very surprised? Uh, I wouldn't go as far to say surprised. Um, you know, I I had told them because I don't remember. Let's say so. Let's say we lost our last game on Friday. Um, well, the conversation I had with my wife about you know Haley, did you see what Gracie just did? And she said she's been doing that. That was that weekend, and so it was just a couple of days after the season finished that I was really starting to think about whether or not I wanted to do this. And so I had had conversations with my admin my athletic director and my uh, superintendent on, hey, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about not doing this. And I, I hate to do that to you guys because I just took the job, but um, it's just not something I think I can continue to commit to. And so I told them, I said, I'll talk to you when I get back from spring break. And so they knew that a decision was coming. And so, um, you know, when I called them on Monday and said, hey, can we sit down and talk? I think they kind of knew what the writing was on the wall. Um, so, I, no, I wouldn't say they were shocked. Um Maybe they were shocked the first conversation we had, but no, they weren't shocked, I don't think, the day that I finally uh, turned in my resignation. So then you somehow stumble on becoming a cross-country coach. How did you get there? Right. So it just so happened that that second year, um, so the athletic director from earlier in the story that hired me, he was the assistant cross-country coach. So when he leaves, I inherited the assistant cross-country coach, well, the head cross-country coach um, is a former National Guard guy and a retired National Guard guy. And so he just got into education to kind of 
get him out of the guard and back into civilian life, but he didn't want to just sit at home. And so he became an educator for a few years. And so he would, he had planned his whole time in education was planning to retire after year number five. And so he retired the year that I resigned from being the head coach. And so last year was the first year that he was gone, my first year post resignation. And so then the head cross country job gets handed to me because I was his assistant. So that's how I stumbled into that. In your first year, I should say. I, th I think I lost you there. What did you say? said, so did you have very much success your first year as a cross-country coach? Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's just like what I said at Ada. Um, I, had, I inherited a great group of kids. You know, at this point in time, I think my girls have been to the state meet seven years in a row, and the boys have been like five out of seven. I mean, I just inherited a great group. I didn't have a single senior on the team, but both teams competed at the state meet. Um, I had a girl finish, I think, 25th, which is 10 spots from an all-state. Uh, we had a great year. Um, and so this will be my second year as head coach. And uh, like I said, graduated nobody on either side, boys or girls. And so, I mean, obviously the expectation is, is to continue the streak. Both teams going to the state meet. Um, but we just kind of had that talk yesterday of like, let's not be complacent and just be the next team that made it to the state, let's be the next team or the first team to, you know, to finish in the top five or, or push for a state title or something like that. So, yeah, we had a, we had a good first year. We got a great group of kids. Um, the previous coach, Coach K, built up a super strong program, a really deep and healthy program, um, a program that kids just want to be involved in. Coach Brian, you've been more than gracious with your time. Uh, I know that you're getting ready to go to, cross-country practice as we finished up talking about cross-country. Um, really looking forward to seeing what you do um, this upcoming cross-country season, and uh, and good luck to you. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me on. I look forward to, uh, to listening to your future podcast. Good luck to you. I appreciate it. And that's yeah. been the wrap of first episode of They Call Me Coach. 